Good morning, afternoon, evening, or night, everybody. You've just tuned into The Block with Bryson Warden, broadcasting live on Frequency 101.7 CIVL-FM, going out to the Fraser Valley and surrounding areas from the University of the Fraser Valley's Abbotsford Campus, Student Society building based on the unceded traditional territory of the Stolo people. Today it is December 18th, 2023, and we've got another fantastic episode to you from me. This week here will actually be the last episode for this year, for 2023, as I'm going to be going on a little vacation with wife to see some family, and just also final exams and other things taking up some time. But for this final episode for 2023, before we close off with Christmas and New Year's Day for the next following Mondays, I'm going to be giving you one last little treat. These are my favorite tracks of 2023, alongside favorite albums of 2023, and just other things of note as well. Here's a refresher on how this works. I'm not a big fan of lists, I'm not a big fan of numbering things and saying this is superior to this and that, but I will give you an album of the year, I will give you a track of the year, and I'll also give you something that's a little bit of a cop-out here, but I'll also be discussing kind of the artist of the year as well for 2023. But with that said, sit back, relax, and enjoy for this next hour as we go into some of my favorite pieces for 2023. Alright, so kicking off our list here for today of my favorite tracks for 2023, we're going to take it over to an artist that returned with not one, but two new projects for 2023, that being Skrillex. They released two projects in 2023, the more accessible and more popular, I'd say, Don't Get Too Close, featuring artists such as Pink Panthers and Trippy Red, Chief Keef, Don Tolliver, Justin Bieber, and others, just more evocative of what he'd kind of been doing off of Jack Yu and a couple of other kind of loose singles and stuff here. But preceding that one by about a week or so was Quest for Fire, released at kind of the beginning of this year in February 2023. 2017. It was around last year that Skrillex, or Sonny Moore, otherwise known, had kind of discussed the idea of releasing a record, but had actually discussed it in a sort of almost unfortunate and traumatic way by saying essentially that he was suffering from anxiety over working on the record and as such had to cancel a show and tour as well planned while he was finishing up these albums. Now don't get it twisted, Skrillex definitely was prolific in the years leading up to this one, but you have to realize that the previously released album at the time before Quest for Fire under the Skrillex name would be the collaborative effort with Diplo with Jack Yu, and then even before that would be 2014 with the solo effort Recess. He would release other projects here and there and collaborative singles and such like that and being featured off of artists, including the landmark record from Justin Bieber with a lot of sort of production on it, that being Purpose in 2023 with singles such as Sorry and What do you mean alongside I'll Show You having Skrillex's hand in them as well. But again, there was nothing really released under a solo output from Skrillex himself at that time. Music itself within the electronic dance space had certainly shifted away from what Skrillex had been kind of typecast as for the past little bit. Throughout his entire career, after leaving from first to last and coming out of the gate with Scary Monsters and Nice Sprites, and then the preceding singles and also the mixtape, also album sort of thing, Bangarang preceding that actually as well, he'd been kind of typecast as this person that was doing defamation towards dubstep as a genre, when really he was incorporating a lot of hard style, a lot of different genres of electronic music altogether, creating something that was compelling and spoke to a more aggressive sort of sound, appealing to an admittedly younger fan base at the time that was in high school and going into university at that time as well. Needing something aggressive, needing something that was loud and able to captivate them, but at the same time providing introspective moments as well. 
I was one of these youth. I remember listening to Bangarang for the first time and hearing tracks such as Kyoto with Sera alongside Devil's Den featuring Wolfgang Gardner on that one as well, and really being enraptured by just how hard-hitting these tracks would be, almost as though like a bomb had been set off in your ear. But there was also moments for the person to be able to reflect as they were listening, namely Summit off of that one featuring Ellie Goulding, who would in her own right have kind of a successful career artistically as well afterward. But again, this was a landmark moment for her, and a couple of the other artists that were featured off of this small mixtape alongside Skrillex himself. But tastes change and things manipulate over time, and people began to gravitate away from Skrillex. It was almost frowned upon to be a fan of him and listen to tracks that were released in the early 2010s, especially off of the Bangarang EP, where people began to see sort of a lot of the tracks off of this one, namely the title track, as the stereotypical wob-wob sound that Skrillex would often try to separate himself from. Recess was a departure from this. Jack Yu was a departure for this, in favor of using trap stylings and such as well. Even tracks where he would be producing for other artists in the background, and things that he would do himself, such as Would You Ever with Pooh Bear, were a departure from this sort of sound that he had been typecast as. Still, less hard-hitting and almost afraid to kind of go into that, but at the same time, he's trying to distance himself from the way that he had been perceived by the general populace, and just be able to do what he really wanted to do in the first place make music that he was proud of. When putting on Quest for Fire for the first time, I didn't really know what to expect. The cover was different, the Skrillex logo was different than what we'd seen before, with a little bit more kind of nuance to it, and almost a harder-hitting tone to it. The featured artists such as Missy Elliott, Sleepnet, Flodan, and Fred again and Fortet, who he'd collaborated with previously, alongside even Dylan Brady from 100 Gex off of this one, who was directly inspired by Skrillex when they were producing their own sound for various tracks that they had composed under the 100 Gex name, were eclectic and ver various, and really didn't give any sort of indication as to what we'd be expecting from this record, aside from the title of the record itself. I'd heard a few singles off of this one, but not really delved too deeply into the tracklist from singles released previous, including Butterflies, which I'd heard alongside Too Bizarre, the original version, with Sway Lee off of it there. Coming into this one, though, from cover to cover, I was particularly impressed just at how Skrillex had seemed to refine the sort of aggressive sound that he had been a part of, but also was able to blend in the idea of more muted sort of tones and a usage kind of sub-bass at the same time, being able to create that same villainous atmosphere that he'd been kind of experimenting with off of several tracks previously. It's still hard-hitting, but at the same time it feels more refined, it's more punctuated, and it allows the person to be able to really tell what is being said, as opposed to just almost an assault of noise and assault to the ears via various electronic elements coming together in a cacophony. A cacophony in a good way, don't get me wrong, there's still something to appreciate about those previous ones here, but when listening to tracks and comparing them to what he had done previously, notably tracks such as the one that we're going to be playing here, alongside the one with Dylan Brady and others as well, comparing to them what had been done previously, we can really sense that Skrillex has refined this sound and been able to come into terms with where he's at artistically and a more confident sort of step and approach to being able to produce this aggressive music once again. The one place that this shines the brightest, I think, however, has to be, and if you've listened to the show previously, then hopefully you can guess this one, would be Zena with Nai Barguti off of this one here. Palestinian artist provides vocals off of the top of this one, describing almost just a wedding ceremony, but what it becomes throughout the entire proceeding of the track list is ominous, into dark, into almost furious, into almost a war cry and a very intense sort of track that drives the listener throughout it and sort of an intensity that honestly cannot be matched off of anything off of this record and particularly there's a few tracks released this year that could compete but in terms of electronic music I think that we're kind of reaching the end of the barrel here for 2023. 
The track is commanding. The track is not letting you listen to it into the background. Believe me, I've tried, but there's no way that you can suddenly just start kind of ignoring it as it goes into the four on the floor kick drum pattern as you kind of begin bobbing your head and give it your attention primarily. It's demanding the listener to take note of it, and it's demanding the listener to be able to resonate with it as it goes into its full swing as it goes towards its final third. I remarked when listening to this for the first time, and I shared this track in particular with people that I have following me on Instagram, that I'm really proud that the artist I listened to in high school is making music like this. Because perhaps it would have been easy for Skrillex to stay in the same lane, just release mixtapes once or twice with kind of the similar sort of drum patterns and such. But tracks like this show experimentation of that sound. It's still aggressive, it's still hard-hitting, and it still provides something for the people that listened to him previously, and that same demographic as well now in the future, being able to resonate with. But also it's something for listeners that had listened to him in high school back in 2013, the early 2010s, and going into university, now able to resonate with as adults. Both because, as mentioned when I played the show recently, the political climate, specifically relating to Nai Barghouti of Palestinian descent, but at the same time, just the idea of it being that more refined sound and being able to be something eclectic and different compared to a lot of imitations that we've seen of what Skrillex had done previously in 2013. It's different. It's unusual. It's exotic, might I say, without being too maybe different of a term using there. And above all else, it's just really fantastic. So without further ado and prattling on, we're going to take you over to Xena, track number 8 off of Quest for Fire, released on February 17th, 2023. This one is featuring Nai Barghouti off of this one, and I hope you all enjoy. <laughs>
talked in the previous sort of section, speaking on Xena, about the idea of artistic progression and the idea of people being able to move forward from where they are previously. But let's be real for a moment. It's very apparent that we're seeing a swing back to a particular sort of sound kind of in the early 2000s sort of sense. The early 2000s pop-punk sort of scene, popularized by artists such as My Chemical Romance, Blink-182 to an extent, though I think they'd be a little bit more far removed from it, Panic at the Disco, Paramore, and others, has really been coming into full swing with artists such as Olivia Rodrigo and Tate McRae, and others here in the popular ethos. Songs like Good For You are rocketing up the charts, and able to carry this sound once again back into the public ethos. Perhaps it's because of the current, you know, state of the world in general where angst is a little bit more popular. Perhaps it's because, as similarly mentioned, previous, you know, generations are coming into the fold and being able now, when listening to the radio, to appreciate these things that were once kind of avant-garde and more sort of dangerous and not really promoted, being able to appreciate it in a more public atmosphere because it's the general populace is enjoying it and able to respect it. Now that's all fine and good. No disrespect to those people. If you recall, you know, we have certain stringent, you know, regulations and such for what I play on the program, and I had already picked in 2022 a song that was in the top 40, but I did mention that Good For You also was one of my favorite tracks of 2022, so it's able to capture that ethos very well in a compelling idea, and even as a dude listening to a song that is primarily about, you know, a dude not being a great person, there's something I can respect about the idea of it and just the overall fun nature of the track overall. But a lot of these tracks that I've been hearing from various artists are just sort of, you know, skimming sort of the top of the idea of this sort of genre and not really doing anything both new but also not being compelling enough. Perhaps it's the idea of it being manufactured almost in kind of a very popular sort of machine and popular music kind of gravitating towards it, leading to a lot of them sounding similar or imitations of what primarily Olivia Rodrigo had done previously off of Sour. Or at the same time, maybe it's just the fact that I don't resonate personally with a lot of the things that have been coming out. There's a larger discussion to be had in the fact that rock music also just seems to have stagnated for the previous five years, wherein the only things that are seeing something new is when people are able to integrate a keyboard or synthesizer to it, although apparently that's a novel feature despite the fact that the 70s and 80s were dominated with the presence of this coming to form, but hey, that's just my opinion. But when driving home one evening, when leaving my work at about like 11pm or so, I was surprised to hear something a little bit different. I heard something that was sounding straight out of sort of early 2000s, almost a part of a video game soundtrack. I had actually previously thought that it was a part of the recently released at the time video game Hi-Fi Rush, which had released and was similarly paying homage to games such as Jet Set Radio or Cell Shading Graphics, predominantly used at the same time period these games were coming to form with kind of the generation of consoles for the GameCube, the Dreamcast, PlayStation 2, and others. It was tight. It was fast. It was just aggressive enough to be able to, you know, resonate with the listener, but not aggressive to be a turnoff. It was breezy, but at the same time had sharp edges around it. And overall, as mentioned previously, it was quick. It was only about like a two minute runtime, leaving the listener wanting more. It seemed perfectly packaged for sort of the generation today, but at the same time coming from the generation that a lot of people were trying to be evocative towards previously so much that I was surprised to learn it had actually come out this year. 
Couple that with the fact that this is a band coming to you from Ontario, Canada, and it made an absolute shoo-in for us to be able to play it on this program here. So allow me the opportunity to introduce you to Good Kid, hailing from Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And this is their track, one of my favorites for 2023. It's their most well-known track at this point, No Time to Explain. Packaged as a part of their EP Good Kid 3, it is track number one off of the six-track run, and I'd highly recommend you check out more from these guys. But again, enjoy this one here, and I'll see you on the other side. this section begins, uh, I'd just like to say that the artist we are going to be playing, a little bit of a spoiler alert, but Iniko, they have they, them pronouns. Uh, throughout half of the recording of this section, I was unaware of this, and then I later, through some investigating and actually doing the research, you guys caught me, uh, doing the research fell upon that they use these pronouns here. I've made edits throughout the entire discussion up to that point, and then I'm using the proper pronouns, but I would like to apologize to Iniko.
Diego and any non-binary or transgendered folks or anyone who identifies outside of kind of a specific binary or just anyone in general for utilizing incorrect pronouns for Aniko here. We respect people of all ethnicities and all backgrounds and all genders and denominations and such on this program and at CIVL. So again, apologies for any misgendering and unusage of pronouns. And again, Aniko, the artist who produced Jericho and released Jericho, utilizes they them pronouns. Thank you. All right, we got time for one last track here today, and I guess I have to make things a little bit short in order to make it prepackaged. So, in the interest of following trends of what TikTok has done, I'm just going to be playing a short little section of this one here that was the first time I had been exposed to this track. Enjoy! Here it is. I'm from outer space, I got Milky Way for evolution in my the effect TikTok has had on the music industry cannot be understated. Short, bite-sized sort of little packages of songs similar to what had been done previously with Musical.ly now going viral and being able to reshape artists' careers and trajectories entirely and what they do with their marketing. We've recently seen this with Taylor Swift, where she had previously released Midnight's, but yet it was a track off of an album four albums ago, Cruel Summer, which was propelled to the top of the charts as a result of being a part of, again, the Eras Tour, but also gaining popularity from people on the platform as well. Or just look at last year, with The Weeknd releasing my personal favorite record of 2022, Dawn FM, which didn't have nearly as much success as the track Die For You, buried in the tracklist previously towards the close of Starboy, but again receiving massive airplay on TikTok and then radio stations as a result, and being featured in a remix with Ariana Grande afterwards as a result of this here. It's spontaneous, it's dramatic, it's all over the place, it's a guy rolling a 20-sided D or D20 being able to determine what type of sandwich he's going to eat for today. I say all this because I'm not on TikTok. I don't find the platform very engaging. I enjoy Instagram Reels, I suppose, because it just does the same sort of thing in a package that I already have. But I don't necessarily enjoy just scrolling through and seeing bite-sized sort of things of content. I know my wife is personally a large fan of it and utilizes the platform rather effectively, but I'm personally just not really drawn to it. In the brief foray that I had, I had discovered a ballerina, which was pretty interesting. I had discovered a cat, a series of cat videos, which was pretty fantastic. I posted a video of me taking a drill to my arm alongside uh, bench pressing and tricep extending my cat, which received some favorable you know, impressions and such, which is great. And I discovered a video of a cat riding a skateboard. And that was the first time that I heard this song. I had literally no context. The song actually hadn't really been tagged as a part of the cat riding the skateboard in favor of just saying, oh yes, the, well, hi, I'm from Outer Space song as the thing there. I listened to a podcast previously where it had discussed the idea of composing songs in 2000, in this sort of current climate we live in, especially with the popularity of TikTok, where songs are organized now with a front-loaded chorus or a little sting to be able to entice the listener to be a part of it, and then going into the verse, chorus, verse, chorus, and then just a sort of half thing and then chorus there. They utilize the example of Thank You Next from Ariana Grande as being the prototype for this sort of thing, where the beginning is sort of captivating enough and then the person gets drawn into it and then is able to resonate with the chorus afterwards thanks to the brief reminder. So it's all the more impressive when a song that doesn't necessarily adhere to this sort of structure is able to really resonate with audiences. It means it must bring something really new to the table, 
and something that's able to captivate a wide margin of people through a wide net, such as, you know, what it's doing in the track. What I played for you from Inequals Jericho is the beginning of the track, certainly, but it's also an excellent example of why this track is so captivating both to me and I'd imagine to the millions of people who have heard it and may not even know who it's from. Vocals are, in a good way, all over the place, with a dynamic range that is frankly unheard of. They go from highs to lows with ease, going from a high register into somewhere down low, utilizing their voice as a percussive element throughout and also as a bass element, and being able to compose the entire track surrounding their voice entirely. The opening line being I'm from outer space is a really fantastic way to be able to convey this as well, as I think a lot of people resonated with it, particularly on that platform, due to the unfamiliarity and, again, I'm going to use this word, exoticness of what is on display here, coupled with the actual literal description of someone being almost an alien from sort of the platform that they are familiar with. Described from their Spotify page here, Brooklyn-born Aniko is one of the most celestial new voices on the soul scene. A gifted songwriter, producer, and multi-instrumentalist, Iniko is leading an alternative soul revolution. Drawing inspiration from trap music, rock, movie scores, dancehall, and soul, they find inspiration in almost every situation. So with that said, I'd like to introduce you to Aniko with their track, Jericho, released this year in 2023 on April 15th. I hope you all enjoy this one, and again, here is Aniko. I'm from outer space, I got Milky Way for blood, evolution in my veins I'm gone, I've been far away, I'm illuminated, I'll make a move, start of waves I've been dreaming about flying for a long time I had a vision from the crazy, wanna go sign Artificially intelligent way I I'm your future best and present, I'm a fine line Yeah, I'm a missing of this illusion I am not really here, I'm an intrusion I don't swim or sink, I just flow
All right, now for possibly the most controversial pick on this list, Utopia. Travis Scott in 2020 and 2021 was on top of the world. There was nothing really that would be able to seemingly knock him down. Franchise deals with stuff like PlayStation and McDonald's allowed him to maintain popularity in the cultural ethos. He was a part of a Fortnite collaboration, one of the first of its kind that other artists such as Ariana Grande and Eminem recently be able to take part in, doing a virtual concert sort of thing at a time when everyone's locked in their houses. And he was appealing to a cultural zeitgeist that was aggressive, disenfranchised in spite of the name of this track here, and is wanting something to almost rebel against. It was aggressive, but it was also caustic. It led to fans becoming unable to discern when the things had gone too far. And as such, that reached ahead in 2021 when... I feel gross if I use Astroworld's tragedy as a hallmark for a shift in Travis's career without acknowledging how horrific something like that would be. And it was due to the detriment of a multitude of factors. I am still of the opinion that Live Nation, the organization that held that concert primarily, is to blame because they allowed things to be encouraged for overcapacity, crowding, and crushing to occur, which caused the loss of life and the horrific sort of display that we saw there. I also believe that they did not properly coach and you know, encourage and train people that were working at that festival to allow them to be able to respond to such an emergency. That being said, it is apparent that the atmosphere that was created and that fan base that was created is as a result of what Travis Scott had produced. I relay an anecdote occasionally to friends where I went to the one, well, two concerts I've been to in life, uh, but it was a concert in which we were suddenly finding ourselves in the center of the mosh pit. And I wasn't the biggest fan of, you know, being in there, as this was my friend and I's first concert, while my other friend was, you know, comfortable with everything else. And we decided just to leave. And I had unfortunately slipped on something. I honestly think it was a piece of popcorn, which I don't know who's eaten popcorn at a concert, and had fallen. But I never touched the ground. I was immediately held up by several pairs of hands, and someone had encouraged me at that moment saying, hey, are you okay? And I said yes, and then a almost path was cleared to allow us to exit the center of this aggressive mosh pit here. I'm not saying the name of the group, because I feel as though when I describe this story, it is almost placating people that have ulterior motives to be able to demonize and deteriorate the legacy of African-American artists. But it is known that hip-hop communities, with the rise of this aggressive sort of culture coming through and the more minimalist tones and punk sort of atmosphere, are unaware of this sort of etiquette leading to this deterioration and potential injury actually occurring. I empathize with Travis. I really do, because I think being at the center of such a tragic event has to have an effect on an individual, especially when such loss of life is gained, as you are permanently associated with that for the rest of your career and your life even beyond that for your artistic legacy as well. It's why that track that I had played for you previously, Franchise, was not a part of the album, as I believe that Utopia, prior to this tragedy occurring, was meant to be much different than what we eventually received, 
when it had come to fruition this year here. Utopia is not the colorful, fun, and eclectic world that was depicted in Astral World, hearkening back to a theme park that Travis had visited previously. Utopia is anything but. Tracks that open, such as Hyena or Sirens opening with sort of, you know, samples being repeated over and over again, and the idea of just almost begging for forgiveness and darkness surrounding and pervading leads to the idea that this is not necessarily an idealistic sort of depiction, but rather the turmoil that an individual faces when in this position. Modern Jam with Tizo Touchdown, one of many tracks off of here that interpolates uh, artist and collaborator Kanye West's tracks off of their 2013 project Yeezus, is a sparse and minimalist track before it explodes with maximalist sort of energy through the synth lead and Tizo's vocals towards the end as the piano comes in, almost like an act of God coming down towards Travis as he's asking for forgiveness before everything is stripped away and you just have Tizo by himself, almost in a sort of chastisement. The runtime is long. Long, but it feels as though it is a necessary slog to get through as it is something where we can see the almost artistic journey that Travis had made throughout kind of recontextualizing this album in wake of what he's been associated with. And the only question now would be where he's planning to go from here, as he may never be able to reach the heights that he had done previously and will have to atone for what had happened previously at shows as well. All of this to say that nestled neatly within the tracks all listed here, the 19 tracks in total, Track number eight, Fiend with Playboy Cardi, is almost a release from this torment. I played this one previously and it was actually featured as a part of Rose Radio Network's Instagram sort of reels there where they highlighted it and I hope that people understand what I was trying to say in that it's an ability for Travis to be able to step back and let go and be able to embrace that rage culture once again in sort of a private sort of environment when recording this one as opposed to sort of having to reflect once more on the things that had happened previously through Astral World and how he'd built himself up to this point. Travis listed as the solo producer is also super interesting on this one here as it shows that he really came into this one with a sole focus and a sole idea though only the featured artist Playboy Cardi alongside some uncredited or sort of secret vocals from Sheck West here and there, fellow co-signing to the Cactus Jack label, being able to accompany him on this journey. I remarked to my wife recently that I'm a fan of what Gen Z is doing in terms of music, as they're, re they're reconciling with the state of the world as it is at this time, where we're so focused on driving profits up and the nature of capitalism in its latest stage that it almost seems pointless to be a part of this sort of machine, as there may be nothing to look forward to. And Fiend, at its core, is an embracement of that to the fullest extent. Maybe this is just waxing poetic. Maybe it's just the fact that I enjoy a track that's able to hit this hard, but I think that it being on Utopia is a clear indication, perhaps, of where Travis was at previous to this tragedy occurring and a reflection on where he'd been, and at the same time, perhaps, the ability for him to be able to move forward and reconcile this and being able to come back to where he was previously and maybe just be able to have once again a little bit of fun musically as opposed to forever being racked with this guilt. As I said, I know it's controversial, but I have to put it on here simply because of the effect that it's had for me and hopefully the effect it's had for other people as well. So, with that said, and this is the unclean version, so it's going to be a little bit uh, saucier than you may be used to for this program, 
Here is Fien, stylized F-E exclamation point N, featuring Playboy Cardi, track number eight off of Travis Scott's Utopia, released July 28th, 2023. Just come outside for the night. Take your time, get your life. Try to The career is more at stake when you in your prime Fuck that paper, baby, my face on the dotted line I've been flying out of town for some peace of mind It's like always, they just want a peace of mind I've been focused on the future, never on right now But I'm sipping, I can boot you, either pick or brown I'm the one that introduced you to the you right now Oh my God, that be bad that I've been a fan of for quite a while now, at least a decade, would have to be the two funk lords hailing from Montreal, Canada, 
Dave One and P-Thug, otherwise known together as Coromeo. They released quite a body of music that really harkens into this sort of new disco or funk sort of revival, stemming all the way back to 2008, with they release there of fancy footwork, going into tracks and albums such as Business Casual, and featuring Jealous, the landmark title that they had done previously, there was White Woman in 2014. However, I'd fallen out of an appreciation for the two, as Head Over Heels in 2018 was more or less more of the same. They'd received some success in 2020 with Quarantine Casanova, featuring Clorox Wipe, which received quite a lot of play, but aside from that, I've always felt as though Dave One and P-Fog are necessarily just residing in the similar sort of sound that they had been able to popularize and be a part of without any real progression. It was especially alarming in 2013 when Random Access Memories from Daft Punk, the record of the year for that year, had arrived and was a landmark title for the reintroduction of more organic instrumentation and dance music once again compared to the sonically electronic-driven pop music that we had seen with pop music embracing EDM wholeheartedly. I expected white women to be Chromio's big foray into the public ethos. Here are these guys who are directly influenced by a lot of the same groups that Daft Punk was influenced off of that record, alongside Hall and Oates with great pop writing sensibilities from those two there, or Daryl Hall and John Oates, should I say, professionally. I thought that this would be the moment that they would break into global superstardom. Maybe not that big, that's a little bit, you know, high hopes, but I thought that I'd receive a little bit more. So it's been a decade almost, since White Woman had released, and we've had two albums and such as a part of it, but we're coming into adult contemporary now, Chromio's latest release in 2024, and I'd been kind of hearing and looking for new music to play on the show when I had found a track that was slated to be a part of the release schedule for this one here, that being Replacements featuring former collaborator Ellie Jackson, otherwise known as the lead singer of La Rue. Replacements is a direction forward, it's Chromio being able to try something a little bit different and being able to be a little bit more aggressive and exciting with it. They utilize synth leads in a new way. They utilize sparse atmosphere to be able to create a sort of different tone, to, such as, as the end of their track Lost on the Way Home with Solange off of White Woman previously. And LaRue being featured off of this one after previously collaborating on the Ellie Jackson remix of Hot Mess back in 2013 off of Business Casual, or 2011 should I say, is a really welcome treat, as she's had a great progression in her career and coming to terms with her own personality and her own relationships with others as well. Giving you a bit of the Coles Notes version for this one here, but again, here is Replacements featuring La Rue coming off of the upcoming Adult Contemporary in 2024, but released in 2023 on April 25th, here is Replacements from Chromio. Growing up, I would refuse to admit I might have had a type but every new encounter would never quite amount to my appetite And now I don't know how I should go about it I don't think that I can pretend That something about you won't keep me wanting to the very end, very end
Cause I feel I've been trying Trying for so long Trying for so long of our broadcast here for today so one final time you've been listening to the block with bryson warden on 101.7 civl fm going out to the fraser valley and surrounding areas from the university of fraser valley's abbotsford campus student society building based on the unceded traditional territory of the stolo people okay look i'm just gonna break kayfabe with you we all knew this was gonna be here so let's just get it straight the record of the year is scaring the i'm gonna say the word but scaring by jpeg mafia and danny brown and the song of the year is perfect from JPEG Mafia and Danny Brown. I was turned on to JPEG Mafia because of a friend of mine, a coworker, who had mentioned in passing that I should check him out. Uh, specifically the track Bald, which I had heard of previously for featuring, you know, a sample of the Ridge Racer instrumentation, but I'd never really given him much play and much space, both because it was just not something on my radar previously, but also the times I'd heard I'd been impressed, but never really followed through with it. The thing about this project that really drew me in was the collaboration between someone as diverse and eclectic now I've discovered in production as JPEG Mafia, utilizing soul samples, utilizing pop samples from the 2000s, utilizing almost random noise and instrumentation in order to create this, again, great cacophony, similar to the way I described the Skrillex record, but at the same time something that is just so easily easily able to be appreciated when you first hear it and then something new to listen to as you keep diving into it deeper and deeper. The things I love about this project are too many to count honestly. Perhaps maybe it's the conclusion that is sampling and utilizing the cover from the film the track is taken from with you know JPEG Mafia and Danny Brown's faces plastered over it. Perhaps it is the usage of Kalisa's milkshake on Fentanyl Tester which is the popular track that a lot of people have resonated with and placed onto best of lists and just being able to utilize that pitching it up so crazily creating something that is just super hard hitting and fast and just great to listen to perhaps it's the puns and fun of the track title like step a pig or even the entirety of god loves you where danny brown's verse is weaving in bible references into this almost horrific but hilarious sort of thing that when you actually begin to listen to it you can't help but laughing at it 
Maybe it's the usage of the Michael Jackson sample for Orange Juice Jones, creating almost something that is soulful, but then at the same time is able to be a hard-hitting sort of track, evocative of how people had utilized tracks from a similar time period in the 90s and such, and which JPEG Mafia even references off of the track Shut Yo Bottom Up, Muddy Waters, where he would say that he's like letting him ride like DRE. There is no possible way for me to describe this record without sounding being called cringe or anything there, which is to the record's credit because it is ironic and facetious to the highest degree, but it conveys a sort of passion that these two have for internet culture, for the things that they enjoy, whether it be professional wrestling or entertainment meetings of video, video games, or even just music in general. I gave myself a limited runtime, both because I wanted to highlight more tracks than just this record, but at the same time, I could potentially go into for about a half an hour just talking about why this is the record of the year, why Danny Brown is my personal artist of the year for, you know, what should not be mitigated, his rehabilitation after discussing this on his podcast there and the state he was in when recording this project and then his own project, Coranta, and how that would eventually release after at the beginning of this, citing almost a, like, revolt against record label Warp Records for withholding it, who... I guess Danny finally realized I just want to get a little bit better and be able to take that step himself, which shows an amazing courage. My thoughts are as scattered as the ideas on this record on display, where you can bounce from Lean Beef Patty, which is aggressive and light at the same time, referencing a TikTok influencer, over to Step a Pig, which is utilizing a boy band sort of instrumentation in the background and is a lot slower and harder hitting before going into faster drums, before then straight everything away on the title track afterward where it's just the sound of hands clapping and vocals over top of it at the beginning before just industrialized drums crashing into it and it just goes on for the next like 20 minutes. Nowhere does what I love about this record shine greater though than on Perfect, where it is utilizing orchestral hits and Coliseum Grand Opera, while Danny Brown opens talking about his love for NASCAR and not letting things get onto his windshield before dwelling into the chorus. You even get an Attack the Show reference on this. Do you know what Attack the Show is? It was on G4 TV. That's something that people don't even know existed at this point. They only know Adam Savage because he fights with people on Twitter for X-Play, and perhaps Tommy Tallarico, who was on Judgment Day and Reviews on the Run, because he made the Intellivision Amico, or he hasn't made that yet. That's a whole other thing. And the thing is, these dudes know that stuff. They do. Maybe less so JPEG Mafia, who admits that Danny Brown is the weird guy who's showing him all this stuff, but they're familiar with it, and they reference it, and it feels passionate because they're actually ingrained in this sort of thing. It's not, as I described for kind of the pop-punk sensibilities, people just kind of trying to do a pastiche to appeal to people. These dudes are generally in this. Remember, JPEG Mafia has a track called How I Feel About Neo-Gaff Dying. Danny Brown has named his cats after Persona characters, and even samples Persona 3 on the final track on Atrocity Exhibition. Having nerd cred doesn't make a record good, I realize, but I think it just speaks to the idea of passion being a necessary component for music and being able to appeal directly to an audience that, yes, is sarcastic as hell, but at the same time, genuinely is passionate about things they care about. I'm running out of time. So, record of the year and song of the year and artist of the year for Danny Brown, he's getting all of them. This is 
released on March 24th, 2023, JPEG Mafia and Danny Brown's collaborative record off of Scaring the Hose. Here is Perfect. Hope you guys enjoy this one, and I will see you guys in two weeks for a new episode of our program. Have a wonderful day, you guys. Like NASCAR, nigga, you bet not go flip. But you better get your mind right, boy. Let it sit all over that windshield, nigga. I'm way right, go stand up. Boy, I'm fuck plan B. I'm like, this is one. I ain't got a lot of kids. So I just pull up and spray up and kick it out. Right. Okay, okay, uh, I see what you're doing. I done came up with the ruins. Look, I step up, it's eyes and ruins. Make me a pain. Hey, 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 hey. Come on down, right, 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 yeah. I'ma make a deal when they do. How she do what I say? You're a kind of rude. Don't say me, yeah. Hey, 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 hey. That's all like said. Hey, hey, 